Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Episode 1, Future Shock, The Future of Humanity, 2077. Prem Rawat is interviewed for a four-part TV series, looking at the future of humanity. Prem talks about the carousel of life, superintelligence, AI, and preserving our true humanity in the face of ever-accelerating technological progress. For more information, head over to www.premrawat.com. This podcast is brought to you thanks to Udo's Oil, made with your health in mind. Look up udoschoice.com and www.theudo.com. That's U-D-O. So, thank you very much. It's an honor for, for us to, to be here. So, uh, Prem Rawat, a few years ago you told us um, a beautiful story that happened with you and your children. Do you remember this this story? It's um, they wanted to take a carousel ride, and you said something like this: Why do you want to go ride on a carousel? Uh, we are here. You go on the ride, and after that, you return exactly to this point. So why you go there if we are already here? And your daughter said, because it's fun. Later, you made an analogy with these episodes and life itself. So if we are born from dust leave and return to dust, why this existence? We are here for the possibility of being able to have that fun. But that fun needs to be understood. There are many people on this planet Earth and everybody has their own definition of what fun is. But there is a reason why we are here. And we have to find that reason for ourselves. What can we contribute? There are fundamental things that human beings have always innately had inside of them. To be able to experience peace, to be able to experience joy. And how can I say this? What is my basis for saying that we are here, we want to enjoy peace, we want to enjoy joy? It's because we have no limitation for happiness in our lives. Nobody goes to a church or a temple and says, God, I'm too happy. Because there's no limit to how much we can experience of this. For pain, for suffering, we have a limitation. Too much and we can't take it. We cannot bear it. So we are here and we have already a defined compass inside of us. And that compass is pointing us to the direction. Be content, know yourself, understand yourself. And these are the things that will make this carousel ride enjoyable for you. 
even though you're coming back to the same place. We were born from dust, and we have to return to dust. But in the same way, there is an enjoyment to be had. And this is what my daughter had said. So, to enjoy, to have that fulfillment, to be fulfilled. There is a quest in every human being to be fulfilled. Every seed that lies in waiting for the sun to be able to fall upon it will wait, will wait a really long time. And when that tree that is blocking the sun falls over, the sunshine will come and it will be an opportunity for that sapling that has been waiting to grow. Nobody has to teach the seed that this is what you are waiting for. Nobody has to come along and explain to the seed, have patience. It has patience. It has all those elements that are needed for it. And so we are here to be fulfilled. And this is the reason, even though one day we will be gone. But what we can take with us is a filled cup, a cup that is our heart, that is us. You talk about this since you were a child. In your opinion, are human beings getting closer to or moving further away from peace? Why do only a few people feel peace in their lives? Well, that's very interesting because we can neither move closer to peace nor can we move away far from peace. And the reason for that is that the peace lies within inside of us. So even, even, even if we look at somebody seemingly is moving far away from peace, peace is still inside of them. And if we seemingly say that somebody is moving closer to peace, the peace is still inside of them. But you said there are three types of war, between countries, between two people, and uh, inside each of us. Um, why do human beings have a kind of necessity of war? Why, why do you think that? Well, most people look at the war that happens between two countries, and most people define that as a war. However, that's not the only war that's going on. There is also a war between people, not between countries, but between people. And the birth to these two other kind of wars, the wars between countries, and the wars between people really has its beginning from the war that happens inside of a human being. You have to realize that inside of us is good and inside of us is bad. Inside of us is darkness and inside of us is light. Inside of us is peace and inside of us is war. And when we don't understand our own selves, trying to be with ourselves in an environment inside in which we have no idea what we are, there is going to be a war. Because we don't know who's friend, who's foe. When is a good thought come? When does a bad thought come? We don't know. If this thought that we just had is beneficial to us or it's not beneficial to us. We don't know if what we are about to do will have consequences that will be positive for us 
or negative for us because we don't know who we, we are. And so we act, but we have no understanding of the self. And that war, unless that war is finished, then the second war will be finished. And then the third war will be finished. But if that war isn't finished, the one that happens inside, when a human being fights with himself or herself, then inevitably two other ones will fight too. And when two other ones will fight, many more of the ones will fight, and then the countries will fight. So we start putting out, or we try through our definitions, to try to stop the war of the countries. But then we fail to stop the war of the people. And if we succeed even in stopping the war of the people, we fail to stop the war of the person within them. And that war will keep coming back again and again and again. So we, we have to start in each of us. First. Um, over 100,000 years, human beings continue to manifest the same irrationality and fundamentalism, even if the intelligence average is growing decade by decade. Religion should be about peace, but it is not. Human beings kill in the name of God. What is your understanding of the evolution of human being over the thousands of years that have brought us here? And what do you expect to, have, to happen in the next six decades? Well, it's very interesting because so much of these things that we see on the outside, which I can only term as conflicts, There are certain people who want to change and there are certain people afraid to change. And ultimately, when it comes down to it, there is very, very few people who want to change in this world. But you have to appreciate that if there was no change ever, we would still be some slime in the ocean. It is because of the changes that we are able to be who we are today. And there'll be changes in the future as well. So it's not about the changes. It is about who we are. Do we preserve, do we keep and understand the humanness of a human being? Because all these changes that we resist are going to happen. One can try to predict what it will be like in the next six decades. And maybe things will be very, very different. But fundamentally, we will still be human. And if we fail to understand the humanity of a human being, we cannot understand either the reason for the changes or the consequence of the changes. Because we don't understand what it is that isn't going to change and what it is that is going to change. That which is unchangeable and that which is changeable. When the changes come, 
even though it has gone from the slime to the human being, but there is a prevalent desire that has not changed, and that desire is to be alive. That's still there. It was there in that little amoeba. It is there in this human being. It will be there in the next six decades. And that shouldn't change. Maybe the technology changes. Maybe how we perceive things change. But the fundamental things do not change and have not changed. The desire to be content has always been the same. We give it different names and we give it different meanings. When you look at religion, and yes, in the name of religion, in the name of God, people try to kill each other. Things that are supposed to bring us closer to each other are separating us. When we see this, it means that something is fundamentally wrong, that we have failed to grasp the real meaning of religion, that we have fundamentally failed to grasp what God really means to us. And we have seen now over the period of years where people say, my definition of God carries more meaning than what God represents. God represents unity for all of us, while our definitions are always going to be different. But we cannot give our definitions more strength, more power than the fundamental understanding of the divinity. Um, so AI <laughs> will, um, will have an exponential growth in the coming years. Um, on one hand, there are admirable things like Watson in medicine and so on. Um, by on the other hand, there is a prognostic of more than 60% of jobs being substituted by machine. And some forecasters talk about the dangers of superintelligence and the risk of domina domination of mankind by the machine. How do you see this uh, as an advantage, as a threat? Um, yeah. Very interesting. There was a time when everybody rode around in horse and horse buggies. And then the cars came. And when they came, all the people who were riding around in the horses predicted the cars would not last because cars spooked the horses. And therefore, the cars were no good. They wouldn't last. Well, amazingly enough, nobody actually saw the horses going away, but they could see the cars going away. What ultimately happened is that the Cars took over as the main mode of transportation. And horses are now used, they're still used, but not as the main mode of transportation. We look at things. There is a desire in us of not wanting to change. This is good. We look at the technologies. And when you look at, I was talking to a professor, and he was saying that, you know, all this technology is supposed to make our, make our lives easier. 
But ultimately, it really isn't. It's making it more difficult. It consumes more time on our part to do things. And we have to take care of this machine. We have to make sure it's charged, make sure it's upgraded, make sure it's this, make sure it's that. And we don't realize why do why are we so enthralled with this technology? Why? This is an incredibly good question. Because we want our lives to become easier. We want more time to ourselves. We want more time to enjoy ourselves. But we never ask the question. It's almost like we're so engrossed in the technology that we don't pull back and ask that simple question. Is it making my life easier? Am I more happy now? Am I having more fun? Is it really giving me more time for fun? The, the fundamental questions that we should ask, we're not asking anymore. And so whichever way it goes, whichever way it goes, will the humanity of the human being be preserved or not? And the answer to that question is only if one understands what that humanity is, that we have mental capability. We can do incredible innovation. We can create this. We can do math. We can do amazing things. But at the same time, maybe a monkey does not dream about going to outer space. And we do. We're the super monkey who can dream going into the outer space. But we sometimes fail to ask the very simple question, who am I? In the answer to that question lies the reason for a human being's quest. In the answer to that question lies the fundamental building blocks of a human being and a human being's humanity. Just because we can do what we can do, and even though it has made us an apex predator, it has made us an apex being in that sense, we cannot lose our humanity. If we lose our humanity, we have lost the human being. And on all this technology, and all our future aspirations, one thing that must be preserved is the humanity of the human being. Hello, my name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through it in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plots like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast app than that. Friends with friends and we're on Twitter at friendswf. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Women will be gradually enhanced with the implantation of new technologies on the brain, for instance, in some decades. Um, what do you think? Are we, are we reaching the power of God? Uh, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> Have we always wanted to be like God? Yes. But then again, conceptually, we conceived of what God would be like. There is an incredible verse in the Indian scriptures. And it says that not with your concepts, not with your mind, can you fathom the infinite. So if this is true, that that infinite is, the divine is not fathomable, we have created a pseudo-infinite who has the power to do this and that and can just flick the finger and all of a sudden the you know the the tree grows up and and something else happens and sells something that and this is what we are pursuing our power lies in kindness our power lies in gentleness and our power lies in peace our power lies in humanity being human and having that humanity in kindness, in, in, in regarding, in taking care. Are we looking at the technology to do that? No. We're looking at technology to accomplish at first menial tasks. The robots that will be able to keep us company. The robots that will be able to make our tea our coffee in the morning, the robots that will pass no judgment on us, but will obey us to whatever whim we have. What is this? What is this? Is this power? Need? Or humanity? And I don't see it as humanity. 
I see it as power. And I also see it as somebody else will do this menial work. Will it come down to a point where we will watch a video of ourselves running? And there was used to be a cartoon like this, where the man would watch himself running on the TV and go, oh my God, I've exercised enough. But see, that's not going to help. You could have a robot drink 100 gallons of water, but you were, your thirst is not going to be quenched. I think whatever directions we go and whatever technologies we develop, I just really hope that we continue to remember who we are, our humble beginnings, and that we are vulnerable. That there is birth and there is death and there is this life. And this life is the most precious thing we have. To make it good, we have to turn inside, not outside. All the technologies that have existed so far have not brought us peace. We're, here we are in 2017. And in 2017, wars are raging. So the sum of all the, all the development we have, the sum of all the development we have has not been able to satisfy the crucial thing that we all have desired throughout the ages, which is to have peace. We could do it for another so many years and do phenomenal amount of, you know, fundamental different things created. But seems like what the history has taught us, that's not the way to go. There's something else. Looking inside, feeling, being alive, feeling this life, feeling this humanness in all of us, feeling that peace is really the answer to what our fundamental quest is. Don't mistake me, I am not against science, and I am not against innovation, and I'm not against any of those things. But I have to understand one thing, that when I flush the toilet, it does not satisfy my thirst. So it's not like I can just stand there and keep flushing the toilet and say, well, I'm still thirsty, I'm still thirsty. Toilet flushing is one thing, drinking a glass of water is another thing. And I just have to remember the difference that for me as a human being, if I want peace, I'm going to have to pursue the inner technologies of peace. And if I want innovation, comfort, different powers, things that I can do, then I have to pursue something else. But without the peace, I will remain incomplete. Um, today we spend billions trying to get and to colonize Mars. Probably we'll do it during the coming six decades. What do you think about that? Does it make any sense to you? We are destroying this planet in a small fraction of time. How long will it take to do the same on Mars? Oh, no time at all. 
absolutely no time at all because we might end up in Mars and it's not going to be a friendly environment. You're not going to be able to do simple things like take a walk outside without having some protective gear and so on and so forth. When I look at the ocean, I find it beautiful. I find it beautiful, even if it's stormy and calm or calm or whatever. And I know a lot of people who also look at the ocean and find it beautiful. Why? And I sometimes wonder, is it because that's where we came from? That's where our human journey started? Not as humans, but the fundamental little building blocks that allowed us to be us? Well, Mars doesn't have that. And it's going to be ironic in some way. We're going to end up trying to turn Mars into Earth, therefore destroying Mars as Mars, trying to make it like Earth. And if we were to be able to make it like Earth, we will also destroy it because we are destroying the Earth that we are on today. We really don't understand what we have. We have no appreciation. We just keep going blindly and saying, I can do this. 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 Yeah, it's very interesting. If you give an eight-year-old or a seven-year-old a hammer, what will they do with it? A real hammer. One, most likely, they will end up hurting themselves. And two, they're going to try it on everything. So there goes your vase. There goes your glass. There goes your window. There goes your wall because it's going to be boom, 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 boom. Sometimes I really feel that Human beings have this hammer called technology. And they don't know what to use it for, but they're going to experiment with everything. Let's see if we can change this. We can change this. You look at it. Every vegetable that you buy in the supermarket has been altered by human beings. Every fruit that you buy in the supermarket, even though it comes from a tree, they have actually altered the seed over the period of years, given it a name. Mango went from India to Brazil and back to India. So it took this journey all the way to Brazil and back to India, and it's called Alfonso. And it's called Alfonso in India. And it is considered the best mango. Because in Brazil, they were able to take that mango and grow it with, get that seed to the point where it's got the nicest, sweetest flavors in it. We have taken that. We have done that. And what have we accomplished? 
We have accomplished a fruit that we really, really like. Way too much in sugar. Way too high in sugar. But it tastes good. We have literally taken this hammer of technology and used it across everything. We have used it over so many things, it's even hard to even say. All We're destroying the fish, the animals. And we've got animals that could not take care of themselves in the wild situation. We've got plants that would never survive in the wild. How long are we going to keep doing this? So, one day, the idea is the earth will not longer be there because we would have destroyed it beyond any help. So we then will migrate to somewhere else. And the consequences of that, the misery of that, we don't even take into account. We have something precious right now, and we need to preserve it as much as possible, for as long as possible. And the technologies should be used to feed the people on this earth. The technologies should be used to bring peace on this earth. The technologies should be used for the benefit of mankind, not against the mankind. Um, today we are more than 7 billion people on earth. In six decades we will be about 10 million, billion. Uh, there will be strong threats like the climate changes, the, growing, the growth of refugees, the fighting for the access to water and energy, anger, state failure, and so on. There's a lot of food for the bad wolf. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in these conditions, how can we feed the, the good wolf? And can you tell us this little story that you, you usually talk, it, uh, talk about? There was a... Um small encampment of this tribe and the tribe had a leader and one day a little child uh, from that tribe came to the chief and said chief I have a question for you and the chief said what and he said I see sometimes that people are good and the same people who are good I see sometimes that they are bad. How can this be? I mean, either good should be just good. But the same people who are good are bad, good sometimes and bad the other times. How can this be? So the chief said, because you have two wolves in you. A good wolf and a bad wolf. And they both fight. So the boy thought about it and thought about it. And he said to the chief, he said, Chief, which wolf wins? And the chief said, the one you feed. So we go around all day long feeding the bad wolf. And this makes that wolf really strong. How long does it take us to get angry? Not like 
anything. All of a sudden, somebody says something to us and we can get upset. Somebody does something to us and we can get upset. No tolerance, no understanding. Because we do not understand that there is also a good wolf in us. And we need to take care of this good wolf. You know, that's really, really distracting, that red flashing light at me. <laughs> so, anyways. This, this good wolf is also in us. And we need to feed this good wolf. We need to take care of this good wolf. But we go around all day long taking care of the bad wolf, feeding the bad wolf, feeding the bad wolf. We think if we, if we, sometimes we think that if we kill the bad wolf, that will help the good wolf. No, it is literally, you have to feed the good wolf. It is not what you do to the bad wolf, but you have to take care of the good wolf. And for me, this is what is so important. In this world, just the amount of food wastage that happens in the United States and Europe is sufficient to feed the world three times over. 1.3 billion tons of food is wasted every year. One third of the food is just thrown away. It's just wasted away. Why is this happening? Because we do things without the care and concern. The care and concern about humanity. When a human being loses touch with his or her own humanity, this is what's going to happen. The good wolf will not be fed, will be starved. The bad wolf will be fed. And that is so important to understand that this earth gives more than enough to take care of all of us. But we abandon it. There's so much greed, so much greed. We live in a system which is, frankly, I find it bizarre sometimes. Because it's like you get to create your own rules. There are people in this world that are so powerful, so powerful, that they create their own rules. There are governments, and then there is laws, and nobody is supposed to be above the law. But there are people who definitely think they're above the law. There is a very interesting discussion on this. And it's, it's very, very interesting because it is the white-collar people who make the laws and they're literally against everybody else who's not in their category. And their laws are such that it doesn't touch them. They can do whatever they want. 
It doesn't touch them, but it touches everybody else. We have come to a point where we're making prisons and we're filling them. There are countries in which virtually every person, one in, in, in six people out of ten have been to prison. How can this go on? What kind and, and nobody is interested, what kind of law is this? Nobody is interested, what kind of law is this? I mean, why isn't law there to protect us? But the same law that is supposed to be protecting us is taking us and putting us in institutions where people going in were better than when they come out. They come out, they have learned everything. I deal with this all the time. I go to a lot of prisons. I, I visit a lot of prisons. I have met a lot of inmates. And at some point in time, we have to really stop and say, what are we doing? We're destroying the very fabric of society. We're destroying the integrity of a human being. And so far, this is going to keep on happening. I don't care what technologies we come up with. So far, this keeps on happening. You know, if you keep trying to burn your house, how many fire brigades do you need? How many firemen do you need? Whatever they do, will always fall short because you keep burning it. Every time it dries up, you burn it again. You burn it again. You burn it again. We have this tendency in us to go off in a tangent, to go off in a direction without realizing where we're going. And, you know, because human beings don't have an internal compass built in us, when we go out and get lost, we go in circles. We just keep going in circles. And it, it really feels like that to me, is that we, we take on this path of technology, we take on the path of this, or we take on the path of that, and then we just go in circles, in circles, in circles, in circles, in circles. And really, it's time to use the intelligence that made us who we are and take a look at the obvious facts, not fiction, not dreams, not other things, but just facts and draw a report card. Do we pass? Do we fail? This is why when you send your child to a school, they, they, they take an exam and, and, and there's a report card. And the report card says, you know, or the report card says, no, you don't know. If we were to draw a report card for mankind, Failure after failure after failure after failure. And we have almost learned how to find success in failure. When the economic crash happened, so many people lost so much. And at the same time, so many people made so much. This is our economic system, our social system, our justice system. They really need to be taken a look at. People say, this is the best we've got. Well, maybe the best isn't best enough. The integrity 
of every human being on the face of this earth needs to be protected. We need to have technologies, whether now or in the future, that truly will promote the human in the human being, will promote our humanity, not shun it, but promote it, promote our kindness, promote our gentleness, promote our artistic self, promote our spiritual self, promote our real self, rather than erase it. Each of us has a role, isn't it? Each of us must do something. Not only the government, not only the states. It resides in each of us. We are the ones. We, have, we, are the, we cannot blindly follow things anymore. Because we think that the governments are going to save us. Look at the report card. It hasn't happened yet. We have to save ourselves. We are the angel that has come that can save ourselves. We keep looking to the sky for the angel to come. The angel has come, but that angel is us, is you. You save yourself. So is there hope in the chaos? Or could we be reaching the hand of this civilization? No, no, there is always hope. There is always hope. Without that hope, all this would be meaningless. What I have been talking about for 50 years would mean nothing. For 50 years, I have held on to the hope that somehow my effort, even if it reaches just a few people, will make the difference for them, that they can see that there is something beautiful inside of them, recognize that beauty, and do all that is necessary to perpetuate that beauty. Because the way to understand this is that when that human being is in peace, when that is resolved, then the two people fighting will also be in peace because you can't clap with one hand. And when the people stop fighting, then the countries stop fighting. And it begins with the individual. And yes, there is hope. Of course there is hope. With all the technology, by the way. With all the technology. And I hope that right now we're seeing the painful part of the technology, where the technology itself hasn't sorted itself out yet. And that it really understands human beings and, and designs things that work with human beings instead of against human beings. And, and you know, this is the big problem. Everybody texting whilst they're driving and, and all these countries are trying to make it illegal, but it's so difficult to follow up on that law. But someday, maybe people will understand that, that design these things, that, hey, we have to design these things in a way where people will not be distracted 
from driving or whatever else they're doing. Because even if they're not driving, so many people end up in emergency rooms because they ran into a pole because they weren't looking. They were looking down here. And I saw this. I was in this one country and all the people, every time they would come to a light, you know, they were walking. They were all looking down, all looking down. And it was a good thing that there was a little horn uh, by the pedestrian thing and it would beep. So then they would look up and go, okay, now we can walk. And then they would still be looking down. And all I could think of is if, you know, God was to come right now, he'd be very impressed because everybody's already bowing down. And this would be the only benefit of this. Um, statistics tell us richer countries like Denmark and other Nordic countries are happier. Um, we, uh, only in, in uh, 2011, the United States nations created the happiness resolutions, asking all the countries to focus more on happiness and well-being. Now some countries have a happiness research institutes trying to put well-being at the core of policies instead of only GDP. Will we be happier in the future? Shouldn't, be, shouldn't happiness be the main goal? Is prosperity uh, a must to be happy? This is a very, very interesting question. Because the way happiness is being looked at is not subjective but objective. So what it's being said is that if you have this much money and if you have this kind of job and if you have a family and if you have a house and if you have a ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, you are happy. So you're being told you're happy. It's not you saying you're happy. You're saying, no, 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 look, you have this, you have this, you have this. Therefore, you are happy. But happiness is not objective. It is subjective. A person can have all of this stuff and still be miserable. And I know there are people who have all of that stuff and have committed suicide. And when you think about the tragedy of suicide, of what it takes to, 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 to have to commit suicide. You know, it must, it's, I can't imagine the pain that it must take. So then all of the stuff that we say we will make an index of happiness, like GDP, will make an index of happiness. I don't think it's going to work. Because prosperity is not just monetary gain. Prosperity also has to include in it good health. And prosperity also has to include in it happiness or peace. Because if it doesn't and you're miserable, or you have all of these things, but you're dying. You're not going to be happy. So it has to go from objective to subjective. And this was already brought to attention 
as far back as the time of Socrates. Where Socrates is proposing know thyself. Not an index of this, this, and this. And I had this very interesting conversation with a professor in, in Japan who is working on this. And so what is it? And some of the points, and we had this discussion, wonderful, wonderful talk. And basically, he's trying to do it scientifically. I'm doing it by experience of 50 years, but we reached the same, same conclusions that we need to have gratitude in our life. Where does the gratitude fit in to the index of are you happy or not? But do you feel gratitude in your life? Do you feel that you have a sense of purpose? This was part of it. Do you have a sense of purpose? When you wake up in the morning, do you feel you belong here? Do you belong on this planet Earth? Do you belong or not? And not to care about what other people think. This was also another interesting point. Because we do. Oh, look, look at all our social media. It is fundamentally structured and based upon the approval. And this professor came to the conclusion that to be prosperous, these are the fundamental things that you need. You should not care about what other people think of you. And these are the things that are going to make us happy. Not these definitions. Yes, do we need a house? I'm not saying we don't. We do. Do we need to have a job? Yes, we do. Do we need to have the fundamental things around us taken care of? Yes, we do. But that in itself in, is not enough. There's a little more, and that more comes from inside that is important. Uh, supposedly, technology will allow us to have more free time. Advances in medicine will allow us to live more time. Time is an important issue to human beings. How will human beings spend it in the future? Will this extra time help us to be more human, to find peace? What do you think? It, it goes back to the, the simplicity of this, that we may be really healthy, but if we don't have a sense of purpose, all that health isn't helping us. Yes, the technology may, up till this point, technology has promised us that we will have more time, but we don't. We keep, keep taking care of the technology. There was a time when people went for a walk and they looked around and they smelled the air and they looked at the trees. Now people go for a walk and all they look at is their, you know, phone. Because they're SMSing, they're texting, they're looking at this, they're looking at that. I think there is an imbalance. I think people don't understand technology. I think technology is an assistive thing, not a replacement for something. Technology isn't going to bring us love. We need love. And we don't understand this. Technology is going to help us with maybe menial tasks, but we need to feel kindness in our life. And it's not going to bring us that. 
technology may be able to allow us to communicate with other people very, very quickly, but we need to communicate with ourselves too. And the technology doesn't allow for that because you don't need a phone, you don't need a device, you don't need a gadget to communicate with yourself, to be in touch with yourself. So I think technology could bring us a lot, a lot of benefits, but it needs to be looked in proportion, what it can do and what it cannot do. You can buy the most beautiful car in this world, but you have to understand that the purpose of that car is transportation. It's not going to cook your food. So don't bring it into your kitchen and try to stuff it into your pot and say, now cook for me. And then complain, hey, I bought this very expensive car and it's not cooking food for me. Because it's not supposed to cook food for you. It can't cook food for you. But we really have to understand the limits of the technology and where the technology ends and we begin or where we end and technology begins. What we are, technology cannot replace because technology cannot replace us, period. Since we left the caves, uh, we are always running, pursuing something. Um, why do you think human beings are always seeking, seeking out something? Why, why are we never satisfied? Why have we an unquenchable thirst? We want betterment. We want, we want betterment. Fundamentally, our first moves were to feel safe. So we sought out fire, we sought out caves, we sought out, because at one point we were sleeping in the trees, you know, and this is sleeping in the trees has got to be a bit awkward. You fall down and you hurt yourself, so you hurt yourself trying to protect yourself. But at the same time, do we really feel safe? Have we achieved what we need to achieve? And this is, this is really the big question because I don't think we have and therefore we search because the answers that we want, the questions that we are looking the answers for, the questions come from inside of us and the answers are inside of us too. And the simpler the things we can look at, the simplicity of it, not the complex, but the simplicity of it, the more answers we will find. And fortunately, and this is fortunately, that those answers are inside of us, that we are the bearer of the questions and we are the bearer of the answers. But why do you think it's so painful to be alone with our own minds? Um, on a jail, for, for instance, um, the greatest punishment a human being can do to each other is putting one in a jail uh, alone with their, with their own thoughts. Is there a missing piece? What do you think? Yeah, because we don't know who we are. We become very uncomfortable with ourselves. It's like being put in a place with a total stranger, total stranger who we don't know. And how intimate can you be with a total stranger? You don't know this person. You don't know what their name is. It's a totally strange person. It's like all of a sudden, if somebody walks into your home, opens the door, and comes in, and you don't know them, and they sit down on your sofa, and they just look at you, and you are like, who, who are you? And they won't say. And then you get up, 
to get some food and they walk right into your kitchen. And they sit down and they eat with you from your plate. Because it's you. It's like being afraid of your shadow. And I saw this little video once. And there's this cute little girl. And she's afraid of her shadow. And they show, and, and then when she sees her shadow, she starts to cry. And she starts to run. And she looks back, but there's her shadow. And she cries even more. And that's the same thing when we do not know ourselves. Because all of a sudden, we find ourselves with a stranger. When you think that there were people who went in complete isolation and found peace, found peace, nobody else around, all by themselves. One person is finding peace in that, the other one is finding pain in that. When you are when you get to know yourself, when you understand who you are, then there can be a friendship, not fear. Otherwise, that is going to be fear. And this is what is exploited, being alone. On one hand, we are social beings. We like other people around us. But at the same time, we need to know who those people are. And more intimate that circle gets, more we need to know who those people are. Maybe outside in the supermarket, we can be with other people who we don't know who they are, but we're okay with them. But if they start coming to our house and we still don't know them, then it becomes uncomfortable. Well, if you take that one step more, and there you are, and within you, you don't understand who you are, then it's going to be uncomfortable. And this is again, quoting Socrates, know thyself. So you can be in comfort with you. Imagine we are in 2077. It's difficult, but <laughs> what world do you see? I don't see a world that is much different. Still a little confused. The good is there. The bad is there. I also see a world in which there is tremendous amount of reliance on technology. And what we could only dream about has come true. I mean, you do know that there was <laughs> that movie uh, where every, the whole world was supposed to have changed. Well, we are in that era. And it isn't that different. Because I think we really trust in technology so much that we think the technology is going to change us. But it isn't. And it hasn't yet. It hasn't yet. And it has changed our habits and the way we do things. But it hasn't fundamentally changed us. We still like kindness when it's expressed to us, towards us. We still need to love 
This has always been the case. We do get hungry. And when we get hungry, we need food. We get thirsty and we need water. Of course, now the water comes in a bottle, but we need water. Those things have not changed. Too hot, we don't like it. Too cold, we don't like it. And these things are the same. So we, we, you know, now we have air conditioning so we can maintain that temperature in the room the way we want it. But if we go outside and it's too cold, we will come back in. But still, we are bothered by too much heat. We are bothered by too much cold. We are bothered by hunger. We are bothered by anger. We are still afraid. As we were hundreds and hundreds of years ago, we're still afraid. So the fear is still there. Uh, the need to be happy is still there. And I don't think that those things are going to change. Because if those things change, then the human being is not a human being anymore. And some become something else. So for a human being to be a human being, these things will be there. The need for joy, the need for kindness, the need for clarity, the need for understanding, the need for love, for comfort will be there. That's what makes us human. So what can each of us do today to, to the future be amazing, amazing future? <laughs> to strengthen the foundations of ourselves so that no matter what happens, we steadfastly remain strong as a human that we remain human being, even in the face of chaos. That even when there is craziness around us, that we can maintain our sanity. That we can, even in the darkest of times, spark a light to dispel that darkness. That we can be real in all the times when the lies are flying, that we can be real. And as a society, as, as, as a civilization, as a species on the face of this earth, that we can maintain our integrity. And that can only happen if our foundations are strong. In which future would you like to place your children and your grandchildren? Well, in all the times to come, I wish, and I know there are people like this, who carry in them the desire that no matter what generation and what times come, that those times be good for the human beings. That there is a true understanding for the welfare of all mankind now and in the future. We don't want to shape technology. We want human beings to be so strong that technology can take its shape any which way it wants to. And it will not compromise the humanity of a human
Are you ready for the future shock? I'm ready. I have been ready. I am very ready. I love technology. I like technology because I feel hopefully that I am deeply strong from inside about my humanity. That even in the times of trouble, that I'm not going to lose myself. And that's what prepares me for all this. That I can go. That I, I know how to fail. And I know how not to accept the failure. I am fine with failing and I am not fine with failure. I will not accept failure. I will go, I can transform, I can change with whatever the necessity is and I will remain a human. A human that carries in his heart kindness, concern, caring, and most importantly, peace wherever I go. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to Life's Essentials with Prem Rawat. We'll be back soon with more episodes. In the meantime, it would be great if you could subscribe and give us a review as well. For more information, go to premrawat.com. My mate bought a toaster. We go through celebrities' Amazon purchase histories so you don't have to. Keep calm and love Dom Jolly novelty keyring yeah, and fridge that. magnets. Yeah, I love that. The G-spot. <laughs> the good vibrations, guys. Green dot laser sight rifle gun scope. I've bought that quite a lot of times, I think. Right, okay. The sex doctor's guide to keeping it hot. Ah, oh, interesting. Did another child come along nine months later? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of great apps up now and new ones dropping every Monday. That's My Mate Bought a Toaster from Great Big Al. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.